This episode is powered by denmeditation.com. The meditation is the primary focus. The bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves, thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. This is Den Talks Podcast. I'm Tal, your host and the founder of Den Meditation. I am really excited about today's episode. We have the founder of Teledipity on today, Andrew Gavilich. Um, if you don't know what Teledipity is, it's really fun. Go subscribe now. It is a numerology website that sends you forecasts um, every single month. And so, look, I realized in all this time, we'd actually never had someone on about numerology. So, yes, of course, we talk about numerology in the most basic sense. so You get an understanding of what it is, but we go pretty deep in. I mean, I love that he talks about how to use numerology and also how not to. He's very big on trust your gut first and see how numerology takes you deeper into understanding who you are. And so from that conversation, we go a lot deeper into how he used numerology to go deeper into who he is. So if you already know him and want to know more about him, this is a great episode. We also get into ideas of, you know, where does the numerology come from in the sense of what names do you use if you have multiple names? What is the power of the name? How do you choose a name? He is so fascinating. He's so interesting. He's really honest. He's very humble. He also has a very fun personal practice. The personal practices this year have been interesting. I love it. Um, so he has a very fun personal practice that I challenge us all to do at least once if you don't bring it into your daily life. So stay tuned for that. realize, and then we'll jump into it, mm -hmm. that in all the episodes we've done for this podcast, we've never done one on numerology, which is crazy if you think about what Den Talks is about and what the Den's about. So I'm so excited you're here. So I start every podcast with the same two questions for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and I want you to pick a word that describes you five years ago and a word that describes you today. Maybe it's the same word. Maybe it's different. We like to really kind of annoy you right off the bat. Yeah. It's not <laughs> annoying. I just, there's so much to filter it in one word. I think five years ago, blind. Ooh. And today, clear. Mm. I feel like that's in a song somewhere. It's like the good lyrics of a song. Um, <laughs> let's talk about that for a second. So where were you five years ago? Where were you in your life that felt blind? It was the early days of my company. Uh, my company's seven years old, so that would have been entering into the second year. I was doing it all alone. Oof. And I was... I loved numerology, and I knew the basics, which was I want to build... A numerology website that's different from what's out there that that does things in a cool unique way that doesn't exist right now um but i was blind to all the subconscious internal motivations and what was really driving me and why i believed that that was the only thing that mattered the thing that overtook my entire life the thing that i was focused on even on evenings and weekends and the thing that kind of like 
separated me from my life for so many years. So I was doing it, but it was coming from an obsessive, hungry place that I mm. didn't know to really recognize or understand why it was that way. And uh, I've been releasing that over the past three years. And uh, it's I, I, I look back at those memories. I don't know if you've been through this, but it's, it's like that was another person. That was not me. It's kind of like a movie. I like I remember the things that person was thinking and the, the, the things that he believed. But I've gone through such an internal death since then. And I'm doing my work from such a different angle that um, I'm now clear on why I do what I do, what it is and what it isn't, and what matters and what doesn't in a way that makes me do my work differently. So it was my whole relationship with my professional life, I think has been a big thing for me. And that's what I love. I love this. And then we're going to get specifically into numerology, but Mm -hmm. I want to talk about this for a little bit because Mm -hmm. I think especially with people who listen to this podcast, transformation and deaths and Mm -hmm. leaving a different part of you behind is so relevant. And I think, you know, I love how you described it. You're like, that wasn't me. But the fascinating thing was, it was. Like, yeah. you're like, that fucking was me. Yeah. And then it's not like this part of you now didn't exist back then. It was there. It just wasn't tapped into at all, probably, or even aware that this part of you, which I find, it's what I love about what we do and talk about, this idea of this depth of who we are to an extent that yeah. most of the time we're not seeing parts of ourselves clearly so talk a little bit about, you said you started doing the work and you've had this death. What helped you or what spurred this realization that you were only kind of clinging to the small part of you? Um, of course, it started with COVID. Um, it's very early. <laughs> COVID is the big transformer. <laughs> I love it. Um, I... Uh, To summarize, after almost, I guess it was three and a half, four years of only thinking about building this, putting this out there, scaling it, and not allowing any other thoughts in, like a month before COVID, the, the, I guess the, pl- the platform was growing, but the financial balance was not there. And when COVID happened, it kind of like the finances took care of the, themselves. It was just the the world changed, the the, the 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 demand in my market changed, and suddenly that was no longer a problem. It was like overnight. But once I stopped worrying about that, and then had was dealing with maybe my own traumas being triggered because at the time I was a hypochondriac and was scared of all kinds of diseases linked to my childhood like being in uh, a lot of hospitals and accidents and just the relationship with with the idea of being being sick being one of the first like three or four hundred people that got uh the the original virus in my city and it was like the first month of the virus so like yeah i mean i clearly I, i clearly attracted it um but uh i um i we didn't know what it was. I thought I was dying. I like it, it really wrecked my lungs. I couldn't breathe, and uh, that's when I was like, "Okay, now, now the money's fixed." But if this is if this is how the story ends, 
And by story ends, meaning you felt like you could die. Exactly. Um, okay. uh, and I know that sounds ridiculous now, but no, at the You're time, it was believable. <laughs> it was a believable thing. And uh, especially, whatever. Um, no, say it, especially. I have asthma, so my lungs really did not react well to having the virus. I, I really had str- uh, struggled breathing for months. Um, but terrifying. it wasn't the, it wasn't the, the near-death experience. It was the things that got triggered after, like, um, where do this, where do these fears come from? Uh, what experiences did I go through? Like, I'm, I don't know if it, it's necessary to go in through into my whole kind of like past or trauma background, but to summarize, um, I just started realizing that I had been driven by fears and insecurities, um, uh, kind of like a like an automatic runaway chase mode. I need to get somewhere else because the present isn't safe for me. Kind of program in my mind, and that even though my business was a reflection of my passions and the things I love to do and the things I care about, it was still kind of like my uh, my mechanism of escaping the present by thinking of a better future. And um, th- this th- this thing that I uh, that I believed my whole life, which was, this sucks, the future is better, let me go build it so that one day I can get there, but that's remains, you know? So I just saw that for the first time and it was the, the, the chain reaction from being sick and then everything that happened after that helped me see that for the first time. So you think that you care about something and are passionate about what you do and it doesn't stop being true while, and I, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to project myself to everybody else, but in my experience, I just once again, in another way, uh, came face to face with my own self deceptions and my own uh, my own ways of justifying things and hiding the the, the true motivations and not seeing them while thinking I was fine. So I guess um, I just went into work on all that, and today. I think the biggest thing I've decided, apart from kind of like reorganizing that whole structure of my identity, is that I'm not going to ever, I'm not going to ever allow myself to think that I'm done evolving or growing or that I've figured out what I, who I am, because I'm always on the lookout for more self-deceptions that could be out there. And I think I, I protect myself from that feeling like okay now this is it now i now i have a handle on everything because i oh and they're constant dangerous place yeah yes agreed and i think it's so interesting that so much of what your website does (laughs) you know people get these beautiful messages especially every month and you can go on which really helps people go into the steps of who they are is where you were actually struggling doing yeah so often we do that to ourselves yeah no i i think our uh I think it's even in the numerology framework, your life mission is the thing you struggle with that you came to deal with yourself and then share it with others. That's what a life mission is. It's not something you're naturally good at. It's not something you're born with. Oh. Amazing. It's the thing you came to work on as a soul. And then when you get to some level, start helping others with. Well, that makes sense because mine, and I wrote it down. I was like, I was like, oh, that's so funny because what was it? 
Yes, my, it says the constructive application of self-care. I think it's part of my mm. being a transformational leader. And I started laughing. I'm like, that is one of my biggest challenges. <laughs> <laughs> like, even though it's like, this is what you're here to do. I'm like, oh God, you can tell I'm working on it because that is one of my biggest challenges. So it's funny you said yeah. that. Yeah. So what things did you do? Because you keep saying, so then I started doing things to shift it. Like what helped you shift it? Because I feel like that's, you know, where people get stuck. People are like, okay, I have the awareness now, mm-hmm. but like, what do I do next? Uh, I took about a year and a half off from my company where I was working about two to three hours a day and then not like I, I just decided it's going to be like it's, I'm going to do the least possible so it stays alive and then just take a vacation from it a year and a half long vacation so the, uh, throughout 2021 I was barely wow. working just like an hour to a day and I was very anathema to how I did things before. And that was just maybe a little rule, but um, how I used that time was, uh, there was a lot of internal, just maybe restructuring. Um, If I were to summarize it, I had to abandon the dream in my head, come to a place where I was at peace with having a different kind of life and imagining other kinds of futures where I could maybe reduce the importance I was placing on it and see my life outside of it. And then um, after I could achieve that, and that wasn't immediate, return to it to figure out what I still cared about and what I didn't care about anymore after just going through the exercise of, of imagining a different life. And a lot of things fell off and some things stayed. And then, um, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I would summarize it as saying that, uh, I changed from thinking that my dream would make me happy to figuring out my happiness outside of the dream. And then just seeing the dream as an experience that I'm curious about, interested in, not something that's going to change either my identity or my assessment of my own life either way. And um, that's the end point. But Well, it's like two yeah. things keep coming to mind is you were willing mm-hmm. to separate yourself from the identity you were so mm-hmm. wrapped up in, which is really, really, really hard for most people to do. And it's like mm-hmm. when you do that and you get the freedom to then really see what it's about, that's huge. So that's mm-hmm. amazing. And everything you keep talking about, it's funny. It's like, you know, when people talk about manifestation and creating, it's like the main rules. It's like if you're creating out of a place of like need, want, desperation, you know, forcing it, you can wish it all you want. I always tell people like, I'm not a big mood board person, but like, it, I get it. It works for some people, but like you can mood board all you want. You can journal all you want. You can do as many fire ceremonies as you want, but if it's coming from, you know, lack and yeah. if it's coming from that place of like holding onto it so tightly, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't happen because you create whatever you're thinking. So you're still creating that lack. You're still creating that simultaneously. They're co- they're canceling itself out. So it's interesting yeah. that you kind of. I think. Yeah, yeah I think it, it's not. Uh, I don't think it's the universe's job to deliver what you're asking for. I think it's the mm. universe's job to help you balance what's not yet balanced in your, let's say, vibration or beliefs. So if you're 
asking for something, thinking that it's going to change you or improve you or address a hole that you have or make you happy automatically or whatever, that's not balance. That's giving something more power than, than it really has. So if you ask for the universe to the universe for something from that place, the, the universe's job is to help you figure out that that's not a good idea, not to just give it to you. So I think that the, it's not that I don't believe in, in some of the law of attractions concepts mm -hmm. that are more abstract. I think that uh, we misunderstand it in that way because we're not here to get everything we want. We are here to balance what's not balanced in our vibrational imprint. And then the universe responds to that. Um, so if you give uh, a desire or a, uh, or a manifestation too much importance, like this is the thing that's going to change X, you might get it, but you'll get it in a way that will teach you that that's not really right. it might not be true. So, so it's not gonna it's not gonna fit the expectations or the universe will help you by not delivering it. So you can figure that out too. But I think it's it's more about your personal evolution than just like hacking the, the laws of the universe so you can just get whatever. Because um, I don't think that's the purpose. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I feel like it is, how do you find the balance? And like you said, mm -hmm. until you started to understand yourself and the happiness within yourself and not putting it out into the dream or putting it out mm -hmm. into the success of the business or into mm -hmm. it looking a certain way is when you started achieving it. Cause it was like, that was what was missing. You were missing that hole. So it's like, yeah. you had to balance that part of you until you kind of can expand. I love that. Um, so talk to me, cause you mentioned like there was a lot, you had a lot of fear going mm -hmm. into COVID within your hypochondriac mm -hmm. where you, is that, do you feel like those are traits you were born with, or do you feel like that's something you learned from like being a child? Like, was it environmental? Like, what was that for you? Cause you, you mentioned you were sick a lot. Uh, okay. I haven't, <laughs> but I want to preface my answer by saying, because, uh, I love any time you have like, to do that. Well, I just, so I like numerology gives me a lot of, of ambiguous frameworks for how some of this stuff works, but okay. a, that's my, um, my channeling, my intuition around it. B not numerology, not astrology, not anything can give you the whole version of the truth and C, I don't think any human can tap into the whole version of the truth, just pieces. So I don't, I don't want, when I talk about this stuff, I don't want to sound like I get how everything works because I don't. And I also, I my own that. personal relationship with those frameworks is ambiguous. Like I kind of can, can explain them, but I also don't want to over explain them um, because I know that, I don't know, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I know that I, I can't understand them fully. So I think that the experiences you get as a child are echoes of where your vibration was when you first arrived. So to say, was I born a hypochondriac or did my childhood experiences make me one? I think those are one and the same. The soul enters mm -hmm. this physical plane and attracts the things that it's imbalanced in. So it would attract those experiences that scare it because it was already imbalanced in that side of it. And I don't know that it's sickness necessarily, but maybe I don't know, some kind of uh, fear of death or, or fear of your own body or something or anxiety around certain things. I think I came with that. And I think that's why my childhood experiences reflect that. Um, that would be my answer. I think that's a great answer. What was, if when you look back on your childhood, what was like one of, for you, the one that sticks out the most that you're like, oi, 
asthma attacks and not being able to breathe. Mm. Um, well, that's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. How's your asthma now? It's does I don't have uh, I never had attacks as an adult. Uh, I re-experienced it with COVID. I had not experienced it since I was maybe like five or six, and not since. So it was kind of like a regression flashback kind of thing because it yeah. But that's actually even more fascinating that that because I I do feel like sometimes those are the things that then bring up. Mm -hmm. Oh, fuck. Like, that's the pattern that I have to work mm -hmm. on. That's the vibration mm -hmm. that I need to rebalance, that you had to be in that fearful place of re-experiencing what it was like that you experienced so much as a child. Mm -hmm. And since COVID, how has it been? Like, how, like, I know it took you a little bit, but how have you been in the past couple um, of years? I, there was a lot of, um, of reprocessing of memories. Uh, whether it be they um, be they sickness or other linked ones through uh, EMDR, um, which is a very mm. specific uh, PTSD therapy for a couple of years, and it, it changed my life because um, yeah, a lot of that, a lot of those habits um, have been released, and I don't always realize it, um, just living my life, but the 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 difference is massive, and um, it, that specific treatment really helped me, and um, yeah. So I feel a lot better about that and all the other stuff. When did numerology come into your life? So you you kind of like you said you had a lot of fear as a kid. You went through some of these uh -huh. traumas. Like when did you, when did you start using it for yourself or start discovering it? Uh, there's there's kind of two seeds. The first is um, very young. I had I had a very strong bond with my grandmother. She was very spiritual but not religious. She's a woman of 1950s Mexico and she was not Catholic but she had crystals she was all about astrology and all about all this stuff and uh, it, this was her passion and I really loved her so I think that curiosity came from just my my love for her I would ask about signs and her chart and all that stuff when I was a kid and um, um, that's maybe the seed and then uh, shortly after she died in my early 20s in a graduating college in the middle of the great recession struggling with money not finding a job i end up roaming horoscope sites to figure out the date where i would get a job or like the the, the crisis would stop and i found a numerology site and uh i just developed good, a different hmm? how good at astrology were you that like you could like derive that information I mean, I didn't know either astrology or numerology. I just thought it could give me that. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> I'm I just looking for anything. I'm I know. Well, I'm pretty sure that's the motivation most people have when they enter when they read a horoscope. It's like, when when does the shit stop? What's the yes? Um, yeah, when does it stop and when does the good stuff start? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but I found a numerology website and I found a different curiosity about numerology than astrology. Not because I'm a, a critic or astrology or, or don't or I, or don't believe in it. Just because the, the things numerology was saying were more precise more specific more philosophical more there was just something about it that felt eerie and i just developed this curiosity slash obsession i have to understand how this works so i started collecting books uh, some used some new some from the 70s some from the 1920s and then read for years and years and years i think maybe five or six years later um decided Okay, now I want to do my own website, and then I started. Um, so it was 
So in all those books that you're reading, how often were you doing, like, what do you, do you call it a chart? Like, what do you call it? In astrology, you'd call it a chart. What do you call it if you're reading someone's numerology? It's a chart or a map. Um, I was doing my own. I was doing celebrities. I was doing people from history that I know their life story and I admire. I was doing my friends, my family, um, people I knew. I had a little app where I could calculate anybody because you don't need the time of birth with numerology. So in the workplace, I would just figure out their middle names, put in my app, see their chart, and then just observe um, their lives, their personalities, our relationship. And there was a lot of not just the book learning, but just the observation. And that was, I think I started the numerology session at 22 and the site was launched at 27. So it was a lot of years of just observing and taking either real notes or mental notes. But like, so what was the progression from 22 to 27? What were you doing? Did you get a job? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> who, who were you? Like, who was that masked man? So I, I went, I, I wanted to, I went to film school. I wanted to be a screenwriter. Could not get one of those jobs. Was invited back to my student job on campus as the manager, which was the, the uh, telephone fundraising office where students ask alumni for money. Um, I didn't want that job, but I took it and it ended up being one of the greatest jobs of my life because what I was actually doing was a learning about technology because I thought I was a writer and I didn't think I could understand it. And I discovered that I was really good at it and loved just being creative with technology and be the, the, the motivating, uh, training, interacting with young people and, um, making them love a really shitty job and making them see it as the most awesome thing that could actually help them with their futures and then seeing how me reframing an experience like that and presenting it in such an enthusiastic way could actually make a difference not just in the money that we raised but in, in how those uh those kids became adults and changed and uh uh i loved it i loved it and i loved uh giving speeches and talking to students and uh, it was the happiest year of my life then they outsourced the call center um so they, they kept me on, but I didn't have that job anymore. And for a year, I, uh, they kept paying me, but they, I wasn't really doing much. And um, then I just moved to another job on campus with the football team and did a lot of websites, databases uh, for fundraising of all different kinds. And then turned that into just kind of like this technology for nonprofits niche, two jobs after until I started the website. Um, so it was God, just, isn't it so yeah. interesting how you gain your skill set? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think uh, uh, I'm a big believer that even the, 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 the parts of your career that feel like detours, they're an ingredient in the big thing. Like, I totally agree with that. Back later. And, and it's weird how that happens. It turns out all of them were perfect and they were fitting them all perfect. Yeah. So when you, so that 22 to 27 before you launched, you're getting really good at numerology. What yeah. did you learn about your numerology for you? that helped you during that time? Did I learn about my numerology for me? Um, embracing parts of my personality that had been criticized before and that I was ashamed of, but are actually strengths, but I didn't see them as such. And they were in the chart. So I just started saying like, yeah, I am that way. And that's a good thing. And F everybody who said otherwise. So that, that was a big piece. Second, um, being more aware of the things uh, 
the, the theme of life that I struggle with, which is change and being too enamored with future and adventure that takes me out of the present is straight from my chart and was kind of the thing that I really understood after COVID. And uh, I guess another piece of it is uh, just understanding people's differences and how um, to embrace and honor different personality types, uh, even when they're not compatible with you, with, instead of judging or wanting people to be more like you. I think when you start seeing that imprint in other people and how, well, this is what they're really good at. This is what they're not good, good at. That makes sense. And it makes sense why we usually have conflict in these areas, but we usually connect really well in these areas. Just, just uh, also learning to see other people outside of my own uh, misconceptions or my own filter. Um, and that's your whole site. I, that, I mean, you, yeah, you help people see themselves. I, I, yeah, I hope I do. I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe it to be like law or like, this is what the universe says about you. I think it's a good uh, starting point to figure out if, if that makes sense or not, and maybe help you ask yourself questions that you wouldn't have asked before, asked yourself before. Um, so I, uh, I, I think it is kind of like a reflection inducer. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about master plan have you thought about your strengths have you thought about your weaknesses have you thought about this month have you thought about another angle for this problem you're facing just a different angles to what's going on in your life so i that's what i see teledipity's role as being um and even though numerology is eerily accurate i don't want to present it as this is the algorithm that explains the whole universe because a i don't believe that that it's that and b i also think that spirituality is self-driven, so I don't want to lead anybody spiritual uh, introspection. I want to provide alternative viewpoints to enrich it. So I think it's, uh, uh, I think that's that's how I would describe my philosophy. So I don't want it to, I don't want to present numerology as like, this is the thing. Or this I, thing I, I, I really, everything. you can tell you're like that in general with like every, which I appreciate even with yourself, you're like, I feel like, this is how I feel about what happened in the past, but I don't want to say no because we don't truly ever know anything. And I think it sounds like what you really learned in COVID is not holding on too tight and knowing that really anything can happen. Um, yeah. Let's do some nuts and bolts of numerology just for a second. Mm -hmm. So anyone listening mm -hmm. who might not. So you mentioned that you're like, it's eerily accurate. Um, you felt like when you were kind of looking at astrology, we'll talk about a little bit the differences of astrology and numerology. I know, I know they're obvious, but I do feel like when people are getting some of these forecasts, it's like, oh my God, a lot of the same, similar themes kind of come up. So uh, the uh, human history is uh, full of these divine languages that come from all different civilizations and sources. They're not all the same. The, the thing that they share in common is that they... Um, they believe in a fundamental perfection of the universe, whereby your place, time of birth, name, they have messages uh, because they're, they're coming from whatever algorithm is driving it all. So they develop languages or systems to, to try to gain access to those insights uh, through observation. So for thousands of years, somebody observed Jupiter when it comes into this position or whatever, these things tend to happen and they start writing it down and developing a whole approach to it. Some of it maybe comes from channeling, some of it from observation, and then generations add to it and add to it and add to it, and that's how we get astrology. Numerology is the same thing. They're not actually linked. 
because they they maybe evolved in parallel, but they're cousins in the sense that they look at your birth date and your name and try to get insights about who you are, what you are here to do, and um, episodes and cycles in your life that are important, that are turning points, that mark a transformation in X, Y, or Z area, and just um, signposts for your life at every moment. Uh, so that's what they have in common. The differences are is that astrology looks at planets and their positions. Numerology looks at numbers and their presence in your life. Your birth, your birth date is a collection of digits. Your full name, as it was recorded at birth, is all digits because each letter has a position in the alphabet. And there's formulas you apply to that full name at birth that, uh, from the perspective of numerology, are a reflection of your soul contract. That was not an accident. That somebody said, this is this person's full name and wrote it down somewhere after you were born. That's the reflection of your soul contract. So the name as it was recorded on your birth certificate holds all that information. Even if you change a letter, Mary, um, uh, whatever else, that name uh, has your chart in it. And there's a bunch of formulas that you apply to both of those and combine them and you get a chart that is separated into two how you arrived and what you came here to do so one is kind of like the snapshot of how this soul came into this life the other is kind of like a map of the experiences that were kind of like organized for it not in a predestined way but kind of like a sequence of um of vibrations or types of events to assist that soul in the its chosen evolution for this lifetime you guys sorry for the interruption but again your friendly reminder that we have so many certifications and courses for you at denmeditation.com all live and virtual so you can do them from anywhere if you've been certified in reiki level one and you're interested in two it starts march 25th so go check that out we have psychic mediumship coming out and also i teach an amazing course called journey around the medicine wheel that is in the fall in october so if you want to get in there early please join me for that that is a 12-week course really transformative all of this stuff is amazing we have all of it for you. Again, if you're a Reiki level one and want to go to two, check that out for this weekend. Get on it and we will see you all soon. Talk about, well, I have two questions. Mm -hmm. So for instance, like selfishly, so my daughter um, is, was adopted mm -hmm. and she, we knew the name we were, we were getting her from birth. We knew it, it was a, already decided. And so we knew the name. I mean, we were choosing between a couple, but we pretty much knew the name we were going to give her. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, bio mom wanted to, there are like certain family names she wanted to hold on to. And so she was like, well, there's two birth certificates anyway. There's the one when she first comes in and then you guys immediately change it. So mm -hmm. she gave her a name, mm -hmm. which she called her our name right from the beginning. She never actually ever referred to her. So even though there was like, you know, five days of we were all still together. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting to me because in my mind, she ever never was ever even identified. It, that was more for the bio moms, you know, what's the word, her emotional um, need. And even though, like I said, she asked us, she's like, so what name did you guys decide? And we told her. So she was always this other name. So which one would you go by? Um, these specific cases where there's an adoption, and the birth certificate changed really quickly. 
I mm-hmm. see them as a case, like if somebody asks about like, but I just got married and changed my name. That's more clear to me. It's the birth name. Don't yeah. even like that. It, it, like, don't worry. You don't have to use the name, but that's where your soul contract comes from. Here, though, there is uh, there is nuance in the sense that um, I guess what's happening behind the scenes is that no parent chooses the name of their child by accident because they're channeling it, receiving it. And that's the name. That's the, mm. what that chart is. So if um, we and take did, biology out of it, you are the parent mm-hmm. from not just the, the literal level, but from the spiritual level, because regardless of who conceived the child spiritually, that soul chose you as a mother. Mm-hmm. So I would say you would look at both charts and read about them. You might see echoes in both, but you would be able to tell really quickly, no, it's this one. And it's probably oh, the one you chose. Um, but I think in those cases, it, it's useful to look at both because when you change your name, it does have a meaning. You don't change your personality immediately. You don't change your soul contract, but you are at a spiritual level saying like, I'm choosing a new goal. Like this is, these are sides part of my personality that I want to develop, change, so work on. True. And that's kind of like where you're aiming towards. And because the name at birth is just a snapshot, it changes throughout your life. It may be signifying that you are so far from where you came that you are kind of like adjusting that in the middle. So That's those so name changes. I have no desire to change my name ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't even love my name, but I'm like, it's me. That's yeah. how I always feel. I'm like, it's me. And some people feel the opposite. Some people really yeah. feel the need to change it. But what I, uh, what I say in those cases, is like you're not changing your soul contract. You're giving yourself a new destination. So it's not like I want to change my name. I'm a different person, but you are kind of like move, like moving the goalposts to somewhere else. Mm. And that has meaning too, but you would still look at the birth chart to see um, where you I find that, came from that's and so where you probably fascinating. still are in a bit, in a way. Yeah. That's fascinating. I'm going to have to do that. I have to, by the way, I don't even fully remember. I know I have it written down somewhere, but I'm going to do that because I think that's going to be really interesting to see. And that's funny that you say channel because it is so true. The name I always thought I would name a baby girl shifted when she became a reality and not when she was born, but when we knew it was happening all of Mm -hmm. a sudden, like different versions of that name came in, the nickname came in right away. So that's fun. And she is clearly her name as everyone grows to be usually for a while. Yeah. It Um, sounds like the the second birth certificate is the correct one for her. Yes. Oh, I have to do hers. I'm excited. Um, So then talk also about how you do these amazing forecasts about, Mm -hmm. you know, based on this numerology. So is it also like the numbers carry, energy and then when you're kind of in different dates and different times those two carry energy and it's like the blend of how they all bounce off each other yeah there's i mean if, if people are <laughs> if people are listening i'm gonna use some visual aid um oh, good. but i'll try to describe it so there's the internal vibration which is the person and then there's the external vibration which is the time in your life that you are in it's still calculated from your digits but it's different so it, you can be a two, which is is uh, reflective of a very patient, intuitive, um, reserved person that 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 likes harmony and stability and peace. And entering a five year, which is the opposite of that, is instability in the uh, changes, surprises, uh, happy accidents, just a really intense movement. And it's the season in your life. It's not the vibration that you vibe with but you get it for this period in order to advance forward so um 
there's the internal vibration, the external vibration, the external vibration is shifting. Um, it depends on who you are, whether you're going to enjoy that season or find it stressful because it, it's a compatibility thing, just like the compatibility between two people. Of course, you can always find the good side of it and, um, and become an adaptable person that finds the good in every season. But when we're talking about forecasting numerology, we're talking about the external vibration that will shift based on where you are in that map, the three main cycles, the pinnacles, the nine year cycles. And you could drill down to the vibration of the day, the vibration of the week, the vibration of the month, the vibration of the year. And what my site does is, is, is give you that interpretation for where you stand today. Talk about the nine year cycle a little bit mm -hmm. so people understand that. Um, so the, the, the algorithm beneath numerology is this um, spectrum of nine vibrations that make up the whole balanced human life. Um, so the digits are one through nine, obviously, and that's why the mathematical medical system is based on it. And each number represents one side of life, one vibration. One is independence, self-sufficiency. Two is patience, harmony, intuition. Three is creativity, um, imagination, uh, living the moment, joy. Four is systems, order, planning, um, having a goal, executing it. Five is flexibility, adaptability, et cetera, et cetera. So in the numerology algorithm, five. In the numerology algorithm, it's you, you kind of go through this sequence over and over again, every nine years, depending on your birth date. I could be in a five year, you could be in a two year. But um, it's kind of like every year has its focus and you are looking at that specific lane as it relates to the themes of your life. So if the theme in your life is uh, leadership, independence, and self-sufficiency, and you're in a cycle that's looking at the patience of those, um, the, the patience, intuition, harmony angle of those lessons, and then you're in, an, in a three-year, then the combination gives you kind of like an interpretation for what's going on right now. So it's, I, I don't know if that made any sense to the person listening, but it's just um, a fractal of sequences of nine, nine days, nine months, nine years, um, nine cycles of nine years, nine cycles of nine cycles of nine years, and it's, it's just goes on forever. And um, it's us advancing through the sequence of nine main vibrations in life with our own focus on it. And so basically, just to like, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you are born as a either one through nine. That's like yeah. just a broad spectrum number that you're yes. given. Mm -hmm. um, you're five. Mm -hmm. And, and then each year, depending on where you are, you're going into a different year that has its own number identity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so therefore it creates a different number cycle of what you're going through. Kind of. <laughs> I, there's, I wish you guys could have seen, could see his face for that. That was the best part. <laughs> I just uh, so yes, it's um, it's a theme for your life. One main vibration split into yep. three main cycles: youth, maturity, advanced stage. Each have their own lane in that main. So you could have a one life cycle with a, with a seven youth. So you're looking at the intersection between the one and the seven. Uh, in every experience you had before uh, around 27 to 34, depending on your specific number. And then each one of those bigger cycles are divided into cycles of nine years. Um, where you're, it's, look, think of it like a video game. Mm -hmm. So 
the, the universe is trying to teach you this main thing split into three semesters and each of those semesters has different classes Done. and I love that. um numerology helps you look at those intersections and uh that's where you get some insights about what's going on in your life from that angle is there and i know the answer is we learn from every you know year and cycle we're in and everything's important mm -hmm. to our evolution i get that but is there mm -hmm. like is there like when you're like, ah, I'm in a this year, like, is there any version of a year that's kind of either like, yes, that's either a relieving year or it's a year of abundance or, you mm -hmm. know, is there any, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, uh, there are, uh, there are years that are harder than others from the human perspective, from a spiritual perspective, they're all awesome. Um, because right. they're all <laughs> helping us grow. Help grow. Um, but it is totally okay to say, I, I'm not a fan of two years, which is what I would say. Uh, two years are not my cup of tea because they're not compatible with me. But I'm, I still know when I'm going into one and then um, make the best of it. I think the, the beautiful thing that this algorithm gives me and I try to, try to put it into the app is that it teaches you that when we say balance, like I want to live a balanced life, instead of trying to put it all in a 24 hours you look at the whole like hmm. you can have a really busy year and that doesn't mean that you don't have a balanced life because then you balance it with a very restful year on the other side of it so you don't have to do everything in a day you meditate you read you go to the gym you work on your company you you go, go on a romantic date you play with your dog and try to put it all in 24 hours or if not you don't have a balanced life and there's seasons for everything and there's busier weeks more restful weeks there's weeks for creativity. There's weeks for connecting with your loved ones. There's weeks for um, learning. There's weeks for doing nothing and binging Netflix. And it's all there. Um, and usually when you see which one you're in, it makes perfect sense. But it also helps you realize that I can put everything aside and just focus on this because uh, if this time of my life feels like slower or there's not a lot happening, I know that there's a lot of excitement next year. So I don't have to have anxiety around that and just focus on this. So there's a I lot about that. numerology that you curiously come into it to find out about the future. But it, what, what it's really doing is help you focus on the present and enjoy the present. And allowing you to just be in it because uh -huh. it's like you said, it's showing you where the balance all lies. Yeah. So it takes away a little bit of kind of what you were going through originally mm -hmm. in your business of like having to accomplish it all right here, right now. Mm -hmm. I, that's awesome. Tell me some things when you look back at your two years that stick out for you. So the theme of a two year is to stop what you're doing. And the universe really makes sure of that. You come in with a lot of plans and it's like, through whatever means, it's just a pause. And when you try to act on something that you're looking for, it doesn't have to be professional. Maybe you're trying to improve your social life. Maybe you're trying to find a partner. Maybe you're trying to conceive a child. It makes that process like a swamp. It's <laughs> very slow and very like, you have to like, you have to be really, really patient. And what it's actually helping you do underneath is make sure that you are clear on 
why you are looking for what you're looking for and also learn how to like look elsewhere into your life and not be so tunnel vision on that and um, maybe start channeling some intuitions about how your plan may be wrong and how it should change and, and what's, uh, what the real direction is because what you came in with was kind of right but also kind of wrong and the two year helps you clean that a lot by inaction and by a lot of uh, either waiting or just finding roadblocks to whatever it is that you're trying to find. Um, and it's not always professional, um, but that's, that's the behavior of a two year. Um, so for a person that is very used to having objectives and meeting them or always doing what they say they're gonna do, or really finding their 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 identity in action and ticking the boxes off of the to-do list and feeling like they're getting somewhere, it too feels like torture because <laughs> you don't get to do that. Um, so, yeah. So when was your last two-year? 2020. Ah, I was going to ask you if those, because yeah. that sounds like it. Because it does. It sounds, when you describe it, it sounds like a very forced Mm -hmm. time of transformation, but not transformation in the like, oh, it's all changing transformation in like that deep mm -hmm. seated, like you have to go underneath it to see what it yeah. might be and then take the time to like, re oh, yeah. evil. it's, it's brutal, but always, yeah. as I always yeah. teach people, like take the signal of like, oh yes, this is all going to something yeah. very amazing once I do the work. And it's like, the two is not really about changing your whole identity. It's not like an, the internal death year. The internal death year is a nine year. The two is about your identity specifically in relation to the things you desire or are chasing. Your, your, your attachments. Yeah. Not, just, not necessarily your whole being. It's that specific kind of like what you're in law of attraction terms, what you're trying to manifest. Well, then talk about that in relation to a nine year. A nine year is the end of cycle. Um, it's the end of, if your life was a, a Netflix show, that it's a season finale. So oh. the storylines close and some characters depart, some new characters arrive, but they're going to be more important next season, but you start reading them. Um, you're, uh, you're entering the climax of what you were really dealing at a spiritual level for all those nine years. Um, see how, like, if you kind of like learned, if you understand them, if you, um, if you've moved past them so that you can move on into the next season that has completely different themes and probably takes place in a new location. There's probably a change in career sometimes. And this is, I, I this is not a specific prediction for anybody who's listening. It's just the kinds of things that happen in a nine year. There can be divorces, there can be, um, uh, changes in your uh, in your social setting like it's just whether you were planning to or not entering a nine-year means you're about to close out this chapter of your life and start something completely different that doesn't always mean that you leave everything and start anew but you leave a lot you say goodbye to a lot specifically the things that uh, are expired and uh, don't belong there anymore and the really the objective is to let go and to say goodbye and to open up space, kind of like decluttering your home and taking out all the shit in your closet that you haven't been using for a while at a, by a spiritual level. Now, if you are aware of your cycles and aware of mm -hmm. your years and you are spiritually 
doing the work. Like you're actually attuned to what it's telling you. You're doing the lessons, which most of us don't hundred percent do, but let's pretend mm -hmm. <laughs> that you're a hundred percent like understanding, oh, this is the time of deep transformation. This is the time of letting go. This is the time of mm -hmm. expansion, whatever. By the time you get to a nine year, and like you said, something shifts, something changes, like it doesn't look the same. Does that make it then easier in some ways? I guess my point is if you're reluctant yes. to spiritually flow with it, does it become, yeah. do those nine years feel more shocking than if you've kind of been really yes. working with the depths of your spirituality? Yes. Depending on what you're putting out, you get either the nice or not so nice version of the vibration itself because right. each vibration has a spectrum uh from like the the complicated to the very nice um and it's always going to match what you're putting out because the the purpose of the universe is to help you achieve balance to help you stand in the center of each vibrational spectrum so yes if you haven't if you've been ignoring the theme of your nine-year cycle throughout the uh pre uh uh, the eight years that came before it and refuse to change and refuse to let go and uh, have not really advanced on what uh, the opportunities that the universe was giving you throughout that time, the nine will be an especially difficult year. But that does not mean that you still don't, that you, that, that that's a punishment, A, or B, that, that you don't have the opportunity to turn it around because you always do. You can always, um, there's no deadline to, to complete the, the, the tests. Um, that the universe is giving you. So if you procrastinate and you leave them all to the, to the very last year, you can still do them and ace them all and then advance. So um, there's no, uh, nobody should feel less than or, uh, or um, I don't know, weak or inadequate for having a rough nine year because A, we all go through them and B, mm -hmm. that's only, that's only in evidence of the universe trying to help you Move along. <laughs> so you, you mentioned earlier, which I loved, you were saying, you know, you can, when you have a better idea, you were saying you kind of learned it through your own numerology of mm -hmm. seeing people for their full selves. So mm -hmm. understanding like, oh, this is harder for them. So I get why this mm -hmm. might be an area we kind of butt heads or this is their strengths. And I have not been, you know, acknowledging that strength. Has this really helped you with like synastry? Has it really helped you with you know, friendships or business relationships? Do you use it practically in a way of just, you know, understanding people that allows you, does it change your relationship with people? Hmm. It's hard to say because I've been doing it for so long. I don't necessarily have like, moments where I'm too analytical about the people in my life from a numerology perspective. I definitely see all those charts as soon as I can see them. But once I get the snapshot, I kind of like file it and then go on with my relationship from a non-numerology place. So mm -hmm. I don't know that I'm that conscious about how numerology is impacting the ways I relate with people. Uh, and I think any improvements in my relationships, whether they're business or personal, that's happened um, came more from me, uh, from my own personal evolution than from the numerology itself. But mm. that personal evolution was influenced by numerology. But I don't know, like, 
uh, I don't know that I use the um, the compatibility angles or the or that I'm very analytical. Oh my god, I need to hire a five person for this job or like this is why we're fighting because there are nine. I don't I don't think that way. Uh, but I do look at the charts. I just don't know where that information goes in my subconscious uh, or how it influences the way I behave. Maybe it does. I don't know. What about with dating? I never say, I, I never choose, I never say I'm not going to date this person because they're X, Y, or Z. Um, and I think that's really, really stupid and uh, should not be done with astrology either because that's not how it works. Uh, I love so that you're I that. don't like that. I look at the charts, but it's more from an angle of like, oh, this is why we have so much chemistry. Not from the angle of, oh, yes, this is my soulmate. Like, I'm like, this is it. Because you don't see soulmate in a numerology chart either. It's the numerology chart is not giving you your destiny. It's just giving you kind of like a, it's kind of like a, like a blood test. Like, mm -hmm. here's the, the ingredients. And then it's, it's cool information to reflect on. But it's not giving you the answer. So I don't decide who to date based on that. I look at the charts and it's filed somewhere in my subconscious. I don't know where. But it, I do kind of like, it does help me get a picture of somebody like, oh, and then. And I bet you subconsciously you don't realize it. I bet you it helps you relate to them. So like things that might have annoyed you, you might understand where it's coming from and it might not annoy you as much because, you know, sometimes when we have a bigger picture of something, we're like, oh, well, that's just because of blank versus like, what the fuck is that happening? You know? Yeah. So you could subconsciously be able to just relate or, you know, also see in them strengths that sometimes I think that's the biggest problem in relationships. You're like, they don't see me. They don't get what I'm good at. They don't, you know, speaking of which, I want to go back to, you said um, one of the things you learned from your own numerology was... Um, the things you deemed as weaknesses that you didn't mm -hmm. love about yourself, they were coming up in your chart saying these are positives and you finally mm -hmm. embraced them. What were those? Um, being disorganized, being instinctive, being um, risk-loving, um, enamored with change, new things, um, being um re like really good with uh with words because it's in my chart and there was evidence of it my whole life but maybe i didn't see it as like that's my thing and to see it confirmed was like yeah of course it's always been now i'm not going to question it again that I, I think that that conviction and that conference that external confirmation can give you can stay with you for life and that's really powerful especially if there's evidence of it uh mm, but we're talking about weaknesses. Um, well, what you deemed as weaknesses. What I deemed as weaknesses. It was all about uh, pleasure-seeking, risk-taking, disorganized, um, very instinctive, never planning, never having a schedule, never having a to-do list, and just kind of like moving by what I want to do in the moment. That was always me. And to see it as like, this is who you are, and there's some people like that, and that's not a wrong mm -hmm. thing. It's just some people are like that. And just embrace it and that's how you are supposed to rule your life i do that now and yes i do i mean i'm not always perfect at anything i make a lot of mistakes but running my company for example when i've had people either insert themselves into coaching roles or an actual consulting coaching role say like just organize your day and make you listen I'm like i'm okay with not doing that that's not how i'm going to operate I could get better in other ways, but that's just 
that's just not a software that goes in my operating system. And that's well, talk I'm about that because yeah. I'm sure there's so many people out here who have similar traits uh -huh. um, and are like, but I want to run a company or start something. They've probably really steered away from it because it's interesting. As you say those things, those are usually qualities that one wouldn't be like, oh, you have these qualities. You should be an entrepreneur. You should run mm -hmm. this. So I love that it's actually now become part of your fuel. So can you talk about how you make it work for you in a business? Other than knowing I can build a business being this way, I don't know that there's anything else. Because if if you accept the, the story that this is going to be limiting when you run a business, you make it real. But if you know that, no, I can build a business being myself, so that limit, internal limitation doesn't exist, it comes through somehow. I cannot explain how it has. <laughs> like, even, in, like, even from the last week of, that's a fifty million dollar bottle right there. You're gonna have to figure it out. <laughs> I like it's it's happening. It's happening, and anybody who works with me can tell you like I am not an organized person, but the shit gets done somehow, and it just happens. And um, it's just I don't know. Do people who yeah. work with you do they have to adjust how they like if you're kind of a disorganized leader? How mm -hmm. does that work as it trickles down? Not always in a good way or in an optimized way, but <laughs> I, I'm very clear with, um, with staff in saying, if you can't do something without me responding, you send me a million emails, you become very annoying in my DMs, you, like, you bug me until I respond, and don't think that if I'm ignoring you, I'm ignoring you on purpose, I'm just probably distracted on something else, just bug me. And I, I kind of, uh, I'm kind of always clear, like you manage me, like you tell me what to do so that you can do what you're supposed to do and, um, tell me like when to show up, tell, give me the task. You like you, you are my manager. I'm not your manager. This is the, like the objective, you. but like, um, I kind of try to make it that way. And sometimes they can't get through me for days and I need to get better at that. So I'm not, I'm not kind of like, um, making excuses for my weaknesses and putting them on them. Like you didn't chase me, but I do like, I try to make uh, staff comfortable with bugging me, with um, sending me tasks, with um, taking care of things on their own and with um, being like managing me. Uh, You've so created that a system that, done. yeah, you've created systems. That I'm, by the way, I'm the same way. I, that's the thing I used to tell everyone. I'm like, no, no, feel free to send me a million emails. I never get upset. I'd rather have a million emails because chances are I see it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And mm -hmm, then it gets mm -hmm. pushed down so far because there's mm -hmm. so many emails coming in. Oh, God. Yeah. Right. You get it. I was like, so just keep sending. Don't like, mm -hmm. I never am like, I got it. Like, yeah. which I know some personalities are. I'm like, so that's not my personality. Same thing. Keep throwing it. I will get it. Call me, bother me. I appreciate that. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I say same thing. I'm like, manage me. Don't worry about it. I don't. I don't dislike that because, and I get for other people, it's like, do not manage me. I've got myself managed. I'm fine, but I'm the same way. I'm like, no, manage me. When you have something important that you need, I'm happy to give you the answer. It's just sometimes it's coming at a time I'm like you said, distracted or it goes down and then I forget because there's a million other things that have come up. Yeah. So I get that. Yeah. That's funny. And there's a compatibility side too there because there's people who love that kind of setup and there's people who don't like that. Yes. And if you don't like that, it's totally fine. But then 
we're not compatible because this is probably how this company is going to operate where like a we're managing up and b um there's freedom going down there's freedom going down and um there's a level of chaos that's a part of the culture and just also part of the nature of a young company because a young company never has all all its ducks in a row it never can and um some people get really frustrated with that and that's okay that's a personality type it's not bad but then maybe a startup is not is not the best place for you because a, a larger company will have all that order that that you need to thrive and that's okay too so you know no, but I love this. And I think it's important because I do think there are people who feel like you have to have a certain personality type to do a certain thing. So mm-hmm. I think this is an important conversation. My question for you, totally random and different, how many people get in touch with you doing like numerology over their houses? Like if they're going to move into something new? Um, definitely a lot of, of friends and uh, like people in my life. Users, not so much, but people in my life will, will call me about that stuff. And uh, I have um, I have a very define boundary between spirituality and superstition and i don't like doing superstitious stuff uh so like to help me choose the the registration date for my business so that it's successful that's superstition mm-hmm. and i don't like answering those questions i say like just just register the business <laughs> okay right don't worry about <laughs> it uh or like should i should i rent the house that's 531 or 11 just the house that you like and then I'll tell you about those numbers, but I don't want right. to, to try to engineer things with numerology, um, especially. Right. If so you pick ones... something for a reason, then let's figure out what that exactly. reason is for. Exactly. Like and the ones I never answer is about baby names. And some friends oh. ask me about that and I'm like, just, just channel the name. When you have the name, I'll give you the chart, but I'm not going to help you engineer your baby's name through numerology because there's a reason why we all got the perfect name is because nobody was using numerology when they were naming their baby. And I am very against that. With businesses, well, you know, I, people... see, yeah, I see kind of like the point in kind of like choosing name with numerology, but again, not from a, this will make it successful mindset, but from a, I want to get the right vibration for it mindset. Mm-hmm. So that's- People do that with astrology astrology and birth, because now there's a lot of um, planned C-sections, so you can kind of plan yeah. the date and time. And I feel like a lot of people do that with astrology. They're like, hey, this is like the week we might have a kid, Where? when should I do it? It's interesting. That's, Very different. I believe, superstition. Because mm-hmm. if you believe that the universe is perfect and has perfect timing, then you don't need to do that. If you need, if you're feeling that desire to control um, the the outcome so that you get what you want from the universe, from your life, that's not spirituality. That's maybe an anxiety that something bad will happen that you're trying to prevent through that overbearing decision making. So there's... Again, I'm not saying everybody who does does this is, is superstitious, but that line is there and you have to be careful with not crossing it. Or like careful is like, oh, I'm not gonna do this because it's the next month or I'm not gonna like don't make don't outsource all of your decisions to a divine language. Use it as a friend who's giving you advice, where you take some of the advice, you don't take some of the advice, but you're still driving your life. Um because that. um there's a difference between spirituality and superstition and all these systems are both used and promoted and sold by people who are immensely superstitious and use it from that vibration. And I don't Mm. believe that to be spirituality. Mm. It's so funny you say that because I love doing like numerology of houses and I'm not great. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I'm doing it right, but like the basic thing. Mm -hmm. And 
it was funny, like there was a period of time we were about to buy a place and every place that came up that we either made an offer on and it didn't happen for whatever reason, whether we pulled out or it didn't happen, every single one, and it was interesting because this has never come up in my life before, it was a nine. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, clearly that's what we're attracting right now. Clearly that's what we need. Like, you know what I mean? It just made sense that, oh, we're in this period of our lives that... And it was funny. And I find whenever I kind of go backwards and I look at a time we're looking for something, almost they almost always, the houses we're looking at come up as the same number. So it is There's like a, that's the vibration that's yeah, being attracted. Yeah. From the literal sense that the dress in your house is telling you about the vibration of the home itself and um, what, what you feel when you're inside it. And there's you can't get it wrong. So there is no house that makes that gives you a bad vibe or a bad that, that superstition. But... The way I've reflected on it over time is like, I never choose an apartment uh, with numerology, but to reflect after the fact, like, oh, I ended up in 104 totally makes sense in relation to what I was going through when I was Mm -hmm. living there and what, like what I was focused on and the kinds of things that happened to me, not just in the house, but in my life when I lived there. So it's like, I am in this one, four place. I end up in a one, four house. Kind of like through it's yeah it's super it's super it's super interesting um and you are super interesting i could keep going on but i know i've kept you for a while and i really really enjoy talking to you and i'm so glad our audience actually gets a chance to you know wrap their heads around numerology more and please go to his website teledipity because it's it's so awesome and i get the forecasts and they're so insightful and it will start blowing your mind and kind of changing your relationship with self which i love and I appreciate it. And hopefully we can have you back on and just do more stuff with the den because you are awesome. Thank you very much. It was an awesome chat. Uh, it was awesome to meet you. And uh, yeah, I had fun. Um, Me too. Happy to be back um, Oh, great. And you guys stay tuned because he is going to offer up his um, personal practice right after this. So thank you. So now Andrew is going to lead us in his personal practice, which is a way to unblock fears around creativity. There's a little voice that we all hear inside our minds. Sometimes we don't realize that we're hearing it, but we're always hearing it. Uh, Whose job it is to judge everything that we're doing in relation to how it will be perceived by others, how others will um, judge it, praise it, criticize it, think about it. It's... um, kind of like a little compass that keeps us in line with society out of the fear of not belonging or uh, not being expelled from it in some way. And that voice is uh, the most destructive thing for a creator. A creator is not just an artist. A creator can be an entrepreneur because uh, bringing a, an organization to the world is, is exactly like bringing a piece of art into the world. It's uh, creating something from an instinct, an idea that wasn't there before. When you get an instinct or an idea, what you're doing is um, you're tapping into some vibration that's not in the physical plane that's trying to enter the world through you. Kind of like uh, when a when a baby chooses to enter the world and it picks up its parents. When an idea chooses to enter the world, it picks up its parents. And when you um, connect to these visions of uh, something great that you want to create, um, you're getting chosen by an idea that is trusting you. It knows you. It knows your talents. It knows um, who you are what your story is and why you're just going to be the best parent for it. It's asking you to bring it into the world. And that's what I call channeling. And 
channeling gets muffled, blocked, uh, contaminated by this little voice that's uh, more, uh, more focused on your identity, who you are in the world, and how you're perceived by the world than the idea that you are here to bring out. So my daily practice for teaching myself how to ignore that little voice is that in the mornings, I go to a park near my house and I put on my favorite music and my headphones and I dance while I know other people are watching. And when you do that, that little voice becomes really loud. Um, judging me, like sometimes people stare and sometimes uh, you can see that you are being judged. But if you teach yourself to still do the thing, despite all the things that your little voice is saying, despite all the fears that are coming up, despite all the insecurities that are coming up, and despite that fear of looking stupid or being stupid, and you just teach yourself to keep going, uh, despite hearing that voice, um, what, you're, what, what you're really doing is exercising the muscle of channeling, the muscle of um, getting those instincts and putting them out into the world without a filter um, and without any thought of your identity or how you're seen by others. So the more you do it daily, or at least it's been my experience, the more I've been able to write what I actually want to write, create um, what I actually want to create, um, put this software into place and out into the world in the way that it wanted to come through outside of uh, my own insecurities and traumas. Um, and I think I'm, I know it all came from that daily practice of dancing in public. And I also know that it's not for everybody and you might find it so terrifying that you're not even gonna try it, but then ask yourself, isn't that fear of not doing that, of not actually going and dancing public, is it possible that it's present in other areas of your life? When you are trying to write a blog, when you are trying to create a platform, don't you think that fear is there too? And don't you think that that's something you would benefit from confronting? And isn't this a really fun way to confront it? Because if you don't want to dance in public, I totally respect that. I think there's many other ways to confront that voice, but I'm here to tell you that that voice needs to be confronted for you to follow your life mission and that you could figure out another exercise to do it. But that fear that you feel when you say, I'm not doing that, that's stupid. Why dance in public? It's the same fear that's stopping you from many other things you don't even realize. So hopefully you've noticed it now and you can come up with your own idea for working on it every day.